0: Season one of the Building a Vibrant Community podcast is sponsored by a grant from Southern SARE, sustainable agriculture research and education. Welcome to the Building a Vibrant Community podcast, where we help people discover new ways to make their communities vibrant communities. Kurt Lacey, thanks for coming on the podcast. Happy to be here. We're here today and we want to find out more about local foods, things that are going on in the Delta. Uh, I know you work in Stoneville. Can you tell everybody a little bit about what you do up there in Stoneville, a little bit about Stoneville, what we have going on up there?
1: Sure. Yeah, so uh, in Stoneville, I'm the regional extension coordinator for Mississippi State Extension. So we have 19 counties in our region. Uh, Some people call them districts, but it's really a region. We have 19 counties there and so I work with all those counties for um, on on uh, organizing the programming working with them on program program development program delivery uh, really just working a lot with county offices uh, depending on different states it's some combination of of uh, district directors program development coordinators but here I'm a regional coordinator
0: and my guess is throughout the week you're probably out in the communities a whole lot, right I'm out in the counties a good bit, yeah so you're out on the, you're in the field, so to speak, seeing a lot of what goes on in these communities, and so mm-hmm. we were we, we've been really curious about the local foods movement, things that we see happening in the delta uh, and throughout the state. What do you see extension doing in the delta region that's related to local foods, uh, whether it be extension programs or research what, what, what do you see going on out there?
1: Well, there are several things, and it's really multifaceted because the whole local foods phenomenon is really, uh, really touches a lot of aspects. Uh, and so, one of the things that, that really we're involved in a lot are uh, it may be promoting some of our locally produced commodities, whether that be rice, soybeans, corn, cotton. Uh, those kind of, cat, of course, catfish in the Delta. Everybody associates catfish with the Delta as well. So we have a lot of those festivals. Uh, the promotions that we work with, we in some instances we have uh, local producers that are trying to get into maybe a value-added type enterprise, and so they'll come to some of our county offices or, or contact us, contact Extension on just what needs to be done to to, to further process those or to add value to it as well. Uh, one of the things that, that also has come up recently um, has just been trying to, trying to get more local foods into some of the local schools mm-hmm. you know that's one of the things that has come up as well and so that's that those are some of the areas that we try to help help with so i'm I'm guessing
0: that um while well, you're out in the field you're seeing a lot of different things um what type of um work in the schools i mean is this something that just started or has this been going on a while
1: well you know i think a lot of it really started if you go back uh, the numbers aren't exact, but i'm going to say somewhere in the in the past eight to ten years when uh, when you really had that that whole uh, the organic movement, which probably goes back more like fifteen years right. and then as that as that evolved, you got into the more of the natural local and it kind of got to the point to where local is the new organic if you will and so one of the things that that came about or one of the things that we saw through that whole movement is, you know, people just trying to get more connected with the people that are growing their food, uh, consuming that food. And, and so one of the things that we, then we've also seen is, you know, local producers trying to get food into some of their schools. Uh, and some of that is just from a, from an ag literacy standpoint. And some of that is from just trying from the producers trying to diversify as well. Uh, but also, um, just trying to find another revenue stream for them as well.
0: Yeah, and I'm guessing in some of the programming that's out there, it's, it's got to be related to food safety at some point, isn't it?
1: Well, food safety comes into play, and actually that's, um, you shouldn't say that it's an impediment, but that actually is one of the things that the, the regulations associated with food safety is really what holds up a lot of our local producers or your smaller farms from getting involved in the in their local school system because one of the things that you do have to do is you have to be able to scale up or they have to provide enough supply to feed some of those schools for they don't just need a day's worth of food they need weeks or months worth of right, food and right. so so to have that amount of volume and and then you get into the whole uh, food safety inspection all that whole last regulatory aspect and that really is is what stops a lot of the a lot of our producers from from being in those schools.
2: So, Dr. Lacey, aside from the um, local foods and the schools around the delta, you had mentioned some festivals that you have that feature your um, your local commodities. But what, can you give us an example of like an event that you guys have that's just specifically for local foods?
1: Yeah, uh, of course. None of these are are really extension. Extension sponsored, but a a lot of our agents are heavily involved in the in the planning and the delivery of the festival, and so one of the ones that probably comes um, comes to mind immediately is is the Delta Rice Promotions annual rice tasting luncheon that they have, uh, and it's always in September. I believe it's the third Friday in September. I can't remember the exact date. Uh, but then, of course, that's held in Cleveland, uh, which is one of our prime. Uh, Bolivar County is one of our primary ri- rice-growing counties. It's one of the top two, and so they they have this this luncheon that's been going on there for I think uh, this is the 39th or 40th year. But they're approaching, you know, 40 years that they've been having this um, luncheon, and it's just a big event where you have 40 uh, years. 40 years. That's amazing yeah. Yeah. for any event to go on 40 years. Right. Yeah. So they uh, so you'll have um individuals you'll have local restaurants you'll have different people and of course the the focus is rice and really every dish that they, they that they have there has rice as the major ingredient so, so it, rice pudding's got to be there rice pudding uh rice crispy treats rice crispy treats uh, <laughs> you know spanish rice um one of the things that's kind of odd is is it's hard to find just a bowl of plain old buttered rice. You know, it's some, <laughs> it's some very, all, it's all dressed up. or all, or yeah, you yeah. yeah. yeah, And, and uh, of course, every now and then you might find some boudin <laughs> that's not in the not in the casing. You know, so that's always always <laughs> a hit. But yeah, if you can imagine putting it in rice, it's there.
2: It sounds like we need to go to that. You They'll
1: should, jump. you should. It's this Friday if you want to come. By oh. the way, we love rice. Um,
2: well. Um, I've gotten a chance to work in the Delta some over the last mm-hmm. um, few years and have attended some of the events that, uh, that we think about as, as being great tourism events in the Delta. But what, what I was wondering is, what do you think keeps communities from hosting a food event or a, felt, a festival or taking advantage of, of tourism opportunities? Well,
1: I think there are, there are probably several challenges, as you can imagine, trying to put on an event like that well i mean you know because that's what you work with with agents and with communities and doing that but i think one of the things that you really have to have is you um you have to have a champion or you have to have champions uh that you know that's they they have the vision they can see the vision and then they can pull people together um so I, but i i think from um from a practical standpoint some of the things that you have to work with work through are Identifying what it is that you're going to focus on, um, and then have it somewhere to have the event, and and then once you have it, a, a lot of the logistics in terms of of uh, the food food safety certainly comes into play here. For instance, at the rice promotion luncheon. One of the major roles that our, a lot of our extension agents play, our FCS agents play, is they are there with food thermometers. You know, we have these ovens set up, uh, or mm-hmm. in some instances we have some chillers, depending on the, on the product. And so they are making sure that the food is served at the right temperature. So you have the whole food safety part of that. And then you just have the whole logistics of, you know, who's going to fix what, who's, who's bringing the dishes, uh, you know, who's going to cook the dish? how much to cook. Um, you know, so it, there, there are a lot of logistics that are involved there, not from in terms of who's involved um, and where is it going to be, you know, all those kind of things that go into that. I think that's part of it. And then, and just the whole uh, promotion, you know, promotion, marketing, a lot of those kind of things.
2: And uh, what, what do you think that um, extension agents can do to, to help? some of these communities maybe solve some of these problems and uh, maybe develop some tourism attractions. You mentioned that the FCS agents actually um, are there with food thermometers. Is that something that maybe somebody wanted to do, a food event, could reach out to their local county extension agent and ask for some assistance in planning for food sure. safety or guidance?
1: Sure, yeah, yeah. that's going to be a, a large part of it. And of course, uh, certainly as they get to thinking about that or at least planning the event, hopefully their local extension agent will be uh Involved from in the planning process of making sure that they realize that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think that's probably one of the in terms of just the logistics or the mechanics of making it happen. I think that's one of the things that they can do. Certainly, the whole marketing aspect of of that, and and you know, certainly that some people are are better equipped at, uh, for that than others. Uh, and then just identifying those. The, the commodity or the or the food that they want to focus on I mean if we're talking about food, you know there are all kinds of examples of you know we have the rice promotion luncheon uh, in Greenville we have the hot tamale festival so that's not it it's a food it's a dish, but it's not a commodity right you know mm-hmm. um and, of course, uh, it, uh, you also have these things like, I think, we also have had a brews and blues festival. So, mm-hmm. And a lot of that a- is actually focusing on some of your local craft beers. Mm-hmm. So they're all, you know, depending on how you define food, you can go a lot of different directions with that. But I think that's probably one of the hardest things or one of the things that they can do is just get those people together to fo- to to come up with their niche, if you will. And I know that's a term that's way overused, but... But, but find that unique food or food item that they can focus on.
0: I'm guessing, too, you, you mentioned champion or champions. Uh, what, what role do the, the restaurants play in this?
1: Well, certainly the, the restaurants, you know, you have to have buy-in from many, if not all, of those restaurants. And, and the role that they can play certainly is is providing a, a good product and making sure that when it gets to the event that it's fresh and that it's either hot or cold depending on the appropriate temperature and that it's a good product, uh, but they also have to be willing to cooperate. You know, and I think that's one of the things that makes our um, – Makes the the rice promotion luncheon very effective uh, is the fact that you have a lot of restaurants, not just there in the Cleveland area, but I mean you have people coming from from Leland, you know that that send rice rice dishes there. If you're talking about the hot tamale festival, you know there will be vendors from all all types of hot tamale vendors will be there. So it's it's very important to have that to have enough involvement that you have that critical mass for people people to be there because one of the things that you certainly don't want is to have a lot of demand and a real short supply that's a lot of rice if nobody shows up it, right <laughs> it really well it is but you know even the uh, if there's such a thing as a bigger killer is to have a lot of people and run out of food because that'll only happen one time and yeah. then people won't come back
0: yeah that's right Well, that's um, rice is certainly one, um, and you mentioned tamale. Are there other other examples in the Delta that are going on?
1: Yeah, I think one of the ones that comes to that certainly comes to mind is Belzona has the catfish festival, Um, and of course, you know a lot of our festivals they may not have a name associated with it, but they but you know certainly food is a part of of what we do in the Delta, regardless of the type of festival that you have. So those are those are three that come to mind right away.
2: Um, the Mississippi Delta, and you, you kind of alluded mm-hmm. to this. They're 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 known for their food, and mm-hmm. people and tourists they will drive for a special kind of kind of dish, and they'll travel into a community just to just to experience that food culture. But um, how do you see that really being an advantage when the Delta is kind of known nationally for for that food? culture and culinary experience do you think that's something that our community should be thinking about
1: yeah i think that's uh, that's something that we're known for but i don't really know that we capitalize on that so I, I think that's interesting that you bring that up because that could be an opportunity you know i think we're all familiar with um we've all been in some little supper club or something where you have a progressive supper or progressive dinner whatever you want to call it so i don't know why we couldn't we have a we have a blues. Race. Yeah, well, <laughs> we have a we have a we have a blues trail and a mound trail. I don't know why we couldn't have a food trail, mm-hmm. you know, or some version of that, um, where where you, and I, you know, you're much better at this than than me. But just in terms of if there was some some place where people could be members or affiliates of. of some organization to where if you go through this, you know, these are these are recognized contributors to this to this effort to recruit people to the Delta.
0: Well there's a lot of stuff that's going on in the Delta. They're theme based, you mentioned the commodity base mm-hmm. where you have rice. Um, it takes a lot of different people to pull it off. It's not gonna be something that you do on your own. Uh, you gotta have those champions, whether mm-hmm. it be restaurants, it's gonna be the farmers, it's gonna be certainly a lot of people coming to the event to be successful if you had um if you saw one opportunity one type of uh, new thing that would come about in the delta that you that you could see happening, any ideas what that might be where would you go what would you what kind of an event would you do
1: oh gosh I don't know um because they you know we have so so many different types of events you know that's that's the thing and that's you know, as we talk about challenges, I think that's probably one of them is there's there's some type of different event every week. Yeah, isn't there almost, I think there's like 50, isn't there
0: a food festival in Mississippi every week? I think I, I read that somewhere. I don't know. It's it's a crazy number.
1: Yeah, I I, I could believe that. Um, So I, right now I'm being a horrible guest because I can't come up with anything um, – But we we
0: did this interview right after lunch too, so you're you're not even hungry when we ask you the question. Well,
1: Uh, speaking of lunch, you know, I stopped on the way coming over here for my typical three chicken strips and a diet coke, and I was feeling pretty bad about that because it was in local, you know, because I was thinking that's probably not the most healthy thing. But then, uh, but then there was a guy walked up and ordered a fried rib, so you felt better. (laughs) You felt better. All all of a sudden, you know, I'm not the bad guy. It's all relative, isn't it?
0: Well, uh, you're doing some fantastic work in the Delta. The local foods movement isn't going anywhere. It's just going to continue yeah. to get stronger. I think a big part of this, consumers want to know more about where mm-hmm. their food comes from. They want to know the health aspects of it and so forth. So um, if people want to reach out to you or to learn more about the local foods uh, things that are going on in the Delta, how can people get a hold of you?
1: I think probably the best way to do that uh, for now would be to just contact that local extension agent and they can help them uh, a lot of times people just have a general question and, and so a lot of times their agent can help them narrow that question down uh, so they could that would probably be the place that I would start is uh, reach out to that local office and then they'll, they'll get them in touch with the right person.
0: Sounds good. Kurt Lacey, thanks for being with us. Thanks for all the work that you
1: do, and it's always good to see you. Yeah, happy to be here. Thanks again.
0: Thanks, everybody, for listening to the Building a Vibrant Community podcast, where we help people discover new ways to make their communities vibrant communities.